we are saved because of His grace. First Peter chapter 1. I don't realize the time is really fast and it seems like uh, we are a bit late, but no problem, we'll just finish this quickly. First Peter chapter 1. We will uh, all read from verse number 18, uh, only four verses here, verse number 18 to 21. 18 to 21. Together now, if you are there, 1 Peter chapter, chapter 1, verses 18, 19, 20, and 21. Together now, verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in its last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, our Father in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together once again to this place of worship. I pray, O oh God, that you will pour your Spirit once again upon us to help us, Lord, understand your word. Lord, I do not know the need of your people, but I trust, Lord, that uh, you know them already. And I pray that you will bless these people. And I pray, Lord, that um, whatever is lacking in their spiritual life, whatever lacking in their spiritual need, I pray that you will supply that need today. And Lord, help me also as I deliver your word. Lord, um, uh, I pray that um, the words that will proceed out of my mouth, uh, which is coming from the Holy Spirit of God, and let your people, Lord, to receive it. And I pray that their hearts are ready. And the Holy Spirit of God will touch every heart today. Bless all of us. Give us victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. The blessed redemption of our soul. We talk about this redemption. Uh, we see here in this uh, first letter of Peter. Uh, here in this chapter or in this letter. He makes um, a very clear uh, few statements concerning the fact and the significance of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And each one of these, it emphasizes the different aspect of his death. And it's very clear from chapter 2, if you go forward in the Bible, um, just flip the page if you are, and you see verse number 24. Chapter 2 of the uh, book of 1 Peter, chapter 2 verse number 24. You can see there that it declares the sacrificial nature of his death. It says that um, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should, uh, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Now here you can see that the Lord Jesus Christ was a sacrifice. He was not the one that committed that sin, but it's our sins that He put upon His own body. And He bare that sin of ours. Amen. Again, not His, but our sins. Yep. It was a sacrifice. He was a sacrifice. And chapter 3, if you move farther um, in the, perhaps in the same page, uh, chapter 3, verse number 18, it states there the substitutionary um, nature also of this death. It is a substitute. Verse 18 again. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust. 
that He might bring us to God. He suffered the just, suffered for the unjust. The just, that refers to Jesus Christ. The unjust refers to us. And it's not us that suffered. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a substitute. In, again, that speaks also true uh, by Paul in his writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, Therefore he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So that is a substitution. That is the nature of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And back in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, you can find another statement there that represents the redemptive nature of his death. This time is the redemptive nature of his death. Verse 18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That is the redemption, the action of redemption that Jesus Christ wrought at the cross of Calvary that by means of his sacrifice, he will be able to save us from death. Now you see here, the Lord Jesus Christ was, uh, is viewed here in a lot of aspects, in, in a lot of aspects as to his significance um, in this um, life that we have, in our Christian life, in the whole Christendom, the Lord Jesus Christ um, and, and the significance of his death was really um, viewed in different ways. And we call him in different names. We call him uh, in different names. It, it depends on what's the significance of his work in our lives. Sometimes we call him a savior. Why? Because he indeed is our savior. Yep. He indeed saved us from, from the grave, from death. In Matthew chapter one, um, Matthew chapter one, verse twenty-one. That is the purpose why he came. That is the purpose why he arrived to this planet. The Bible says there, and she shall bring forth a son. This is Mary, and the son there referred to the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now the angel was speaking to Joseph. And Joseph was instructed by the angel that you have to name the, the son Jesus. There is a purpose to that and there is a reason to that. The reason is, the, ne the next phrase, for he shall save his people from their sins. That is the purpose why the Lord Jesus Christ came and he is called the Savior because he is going to save our sins. Now, also in, in another scripture, in John chapter 10, verse number 11. John chapter 10, verse number 11, he is also called the shepherd. The shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The Lord Jesus Christ is a good shepherd. In fact, we call him the chief shepherd. The pastors are called the under shepherd. So we are not the Savior, the pastors are not the Savior, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And this chief shepherd is a good shepherd because he's willing to 
give his life for the sheep, for us. We are God's sheep. We are God's, you know, the sheep of his pasture. And another scripture, look at the aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ as the master. He is also the master. In, in John chapter 13, verse number 13, John 13, verse 13, he allowed himself to be called master. And he said, he killed, uh, you call me, you call me master and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So the Lord Jesus Christ is also called the master. Um, and I think uh, that is a big problem with our Christian life today because we are his servant, he is our master, but we master our own self. We don't want him to master us. We don't want him to lead us. We don't want him to say anything about us. Lord, I, I can worship you the way I want. Lord, I can, I can um, serve you the way I want. And that is not really master. If we treat the Lord like that, we are not treating him as master. That's right. Because we run our own time. We, we, we manage our own life. We make decisions of our own. Before we make big decisions, we don't ask God. We make God there as if God is just, uh, you know, we just notify God. Lord, I'm doing this. You make decisions of your own. And you just give notice to the Lord that you have done that. He is not your master. But the Lord Jesus Christ is our master. Whether you like it or not, he is a master. And if we don't follow him, we pay the price. Yep. But he is a kind master. He is a compassionate Lord. Another thing that uh, we call the Lord Jesus Christ is a friend. He is a friend. Proverbs 18 verse 24, it says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a, than a brother. What a blessing it is. That friend that sticks closer than a brother is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. He is our, you know, friend that can cling to us, that can, you know, um, um, cling to us. And he can be more intimate than a brother. The Bible says, greater love hath no, uh, no man than this. John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But there's another term that the Bible called the Lord Jesus Christ. He is called the Redeemer. The Redeemer. And I think we are going to stick to this term today. We are going to focus on the word Redeemer. At least 3,400 years ago, 
God's faithful servant by the name of Job. In Job chapter 19, verse number 25, he spoke this. And Job said in verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. And mine eyes shall behold, and not another. Though my reins be consumed within me, Job was calling the Lord my Redeemer. Now what is meant by Redeemer or Redemption? The dictionary defines this as to buy back, to purchase something that has been temporarily forfeited. And also it is defined as to set free, to liberate, to liberate as setting a slave free from slavery. And another definition of this is to deliver from some great danger. These three definition, definition of the Lord Jesus Christ and His name um, is very um, fit to what He is. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, He redeemed us in that He bought us back. He bought us back that at one time in our life we were forfeited because of our sins. Yeah. By nature, we were sold under sin. Yeah. Don't you know that? All of us were sold under sin. Not one of us can stick our hands up and say, Pastor, I think I am accepted. I am not. No That's one right. will say that I have no sin. Yeah. Because deep within our conscience, I do not know you, you do not know me. I do not know what, what you did the past few days. But I didn't have to know it. I didn't have to know it. With whether or not your brother or sister or, or neighbor are doing sins because we do. And God puts that conscience in our in our heart and we know that we are sinners. Yeah. And you see here that by nature we are sold under sin. In Romans chapter 7, verse number 14. Romans chapter 7, verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. We are sold into bondage of Satan. We are, we are condemned to go to hell. We are, uh, we are sold into slavery of sin. But thank God, the Lord Jesus Christ died 2,000 years ago to pay the ransom price for Amen. that sin that we have done. Amen. The sin of the past, the sin of the present, and the sin of the future. Yep. And that is what exactly what Jesus Christ did. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. That brought us back. Another definition there is that of redemption. He redeemed us in that 
He set us free from slavery and bondage. He set us free. So, for by nature, we were servants of sin and we were servants of Satan. Whether we like it or not, we are serving him. But again, you see here in John chapter 8, verse 34, this is just a proof that we really are servants to sin because we are all sinners. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say to you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. All of us committed sin. So therefore, all of us are servants of sin. In Romans chapter 6, verse number 16, Know ye not? That to whom you yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. It depends whom you obey. Now there's another definition of redemption or redeem. He redeemed us in that he delivered us from a very great danger. Again, by nature, by nature, we face death and judgment. And we can see that very clearly from John chapter 3, verse number 36. John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The Lord Jesus Christ redeemed us, and He delivered us from this great danger, the wrath of God. Now here, again, we, we understand that our destiny is the lake of fire. Our destiny well, was set for the lake of fire, but thank God, He sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago to deliver us from that place of punishment. Amen. And you see here from the, our key verses here, Apostle Peter, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and chapter 2, you will find that uh, Apostle Peter was talking about these two, um, um, two things. One is the price of our redemption. And secondly, is the purpose of that redemption. I wonder what, what, the, what did the object God have in you when He planned redemption in eternity past? And when, and when the Lord Jesus Christ came, to redeem us. What object he had in his mind? My friend, for sure, his object was to redeem us. He wants us to be redeemed from, from eternal death. He wants us to be redeemed from the, from the grip of Satan. And he wants us to be, he wants to recover us from the enemy because Satan is now um, in the position of holding all souls in captive, captivity. He's, he's taking captive a lot of souls. And that is the, the purpose, and that is the object of Jesus Christ coming to recover us from the enemy and to translate us. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse number... Um, 11 
Colossians 1 verse number 13. The Bible says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The object that he had in his mind is to translate us. And also another object in his mind is to forgive us. He wants us to be forgiven in Mark chapter 2 verse number 10. And also in also in First John chapter 1 verse number 7, his object was to cleanse us from all our sins. And at last, in John chapter 14 verse number 2, and praise the Lord for his purpose and his object that he wants to take us to heaven with him. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. The Lord Jesus Christ has that object in his mind. But much more than this, his purpose above all these things is to make us holy. The purpose above all these things is for us, you and me, men and women, young and old, is to be like Christ. God wants us to be Christ-like, um, yeah. gain the Christ-likeness in our life that um, the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified. Go back to our text in 1 Peter chapter 3. Chapter 1 or chapter 3. Chapter 3 verse number 18. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse number 18. The Bible says, For Christ also for Christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ told us that this the sin that we have done, He will pay that off and the just is punished and the unjust will free. The unjust people will free, but the just person, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, was punished for the purpose that the Lord Jesus Christ can bring us together before the Lord, before God, the Father. And with that, we have been redeemed in order that we might be holy. All of us, God is expecting to be holy. Christians, the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins so that you will be holy. Our life before, our life before is not acceptable to the Lord. It's not acceptable at all. Because um, it was uh, all the activities that we had is just ungodly in the sight of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 2. Wherein in time past you walk according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had 
our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, for by grace ye are saved. And you see here, he had quickened us together. Despite of the sinfulness of our life, despite of the sins that we have done, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. That is why Apostle Paul could not imagine this. He looked at the people in the churches. Some are fine, some are good, but there are some that's obnoxious. They live a life that is so much, you know, he, he could not imagine why these people, they're okay with sin. And look at the people in Corinth. Wow. There is one guy in that, uh, in that place in Corinth. He's so proud. He's, he's, I think he's one of the uh, rich people there in the church in Corinth. But the problem with this guy, um, he, he took, he, he lived in with his father's wife. And the people in the church were seemingly okay. And Apostle Paul could not believe it. He condemned the man. He, he delivered the man to Satan. And what he could not understand, why these people accepted it? Why the church is just like patting the back of this man? Maybe he was influential, but not with Paul. Paul was grieved with the sinfulness and the commonality of sin in the church. Yeah. And that is why he complained. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19, he said these words. He said, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You do not belong to yourself. The time that you think your own is not your own. You don't own that time. You don't own that body. You don't own that life. You don't own that property. You don't own anything. The thing that you think you, you think you own is not your own. You are not your own. Verse 20. The reason why you are not your own because God, the Lord Jesus Christ, purchased you. You are bought with a price. And that price is not silver and gold. That price is the blood of the Son of God. Yep. The Lord Jesus Christ. That is why you do not belong to yourself. All of us belong to God. By the purchase, by the redemption of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yep. For you are bought with a price. And because of that, and there's the word, therefore... Glorify God. In how? How, Pastor? How should we glorify God? In your body. In your body. First and foremost, in your body. Do you still watch pornography? 
I think your eyes is part, part of your body. I think your senses are still part of your body. You cannot do that. All the faculty that you have belong to God. Yep. Do not take your feet and then go to a place that God is not honored. Do not take this feet to go and watch movies and watch those um, um, pornography or whatever. Because our body belongs to God. Yeah. Glorify God in your body. What do you listen? You know, when you have your earphone on. What do you watch on your phone? What movie you watch? You see, do not allow that the temple of God, which is your body, is polluted with so many rubbish brought about by YouTube, brought about by Netflix, brought about by yep. those movies, yep. brought about by those filthy language yep. that are in the songs. Yep. Be careful, my friend, because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yep. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That means all of that now is taken position by God. Yeah. And remember, God is holy. And He doesn't want any sin in His presence. And now you allow it in your body. And you made your body God's temple. You mingle the things of the world to the holiness of God. And God abhorred it. That is why God is complaining. You are bought with a price. In, in Titus chapter 2 verse number 13, the reason why God wants us to be redeemed, wants us to be holy, the reason all of this because God wants you to understand that He wants you to be cleansed. Every sin that we have must be out of our system. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people. Wow, peculiar people. God wants us to know we, we are part of this world. We are people of the world. But again, out of the people of the world, God has individuals there. In this, among the plants of people, God has individuals that are peculiar, very different, very unique. Unique people. These people, they are willing to sacrifice themselves for the, for the sake of Christ. These people, they are not, they are of the world, but um, they are in the world, but they are not of the world. Very unique. When these people uh, face problems, they will run to God. 
When these people, uh, it's when, when, on certain day of the week, they will worship God. Whereas the common people, Sunday they will rush to the malls, they will rush to the beaches, they will go to uh, to go hiking and trekking, and some of them they will just uh, rest in their homes. But these people they will go out and gather, they will go out and worship God. Very unique people, peculiar people, zealous of good works. These are the most honest people in workplaces. They will not. They will not um, steal the time of their boss. They will not steal the time of their company. When they work, they will work very hard as if they are serving Christ in the workplaces. These are very unique people. These people are reliable people. These people are diligent people. They will do everything they can for their boss for the name of Christ's sake. You see, these are very unique people who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. His purpose for our lives was to make us holy. Christ-like men, Christ-like women. These people, they will live a holy life. And with this holy living, we understand as Christians today that this holy living, really, it is expected by God that we Christians should do our part. In this holy living, it's not just all by God. We have to do our part in this holy living. Yep. That is why the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation or manner of living, way of life, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. God expects us to fulfill this holy living. It started by Christ. He is the foundation of that. But God wants us to build upon that foundation. That gold, silver, and precious stones. God wants us to demonstrate our part in this holy living. Notice again, verse number 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. It says that you should show forth. Did Jesus Christ wrote that righteousness and placed that righteousness in our lives? 
Now that the righteousness of Christ is now in our life, therefore our part to demonstrate is to show forth the praises of Him who called us out of darkness. In verse number 11, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust when our souls are saved and Jesus Christ wrote that righteousness in our lives, that the vision is still around us. It won't change. We are saved, we are cleansed, we are, we are sanctified, but the temptation around us are there present still. It won't go away. That is why it is called, we are called in this holy living. That because Christ indwells in us, the Holy Spirit of God indwells in us, we have to live a holy life. Because God has started that holy life in us. Abstain from fleshly lust. That is our part. That is the part that we can demonstrate to God. Lord, by your grace, I will stay away from this temptation. Lord, I will stay away from this uh, uh, thing that can defile the temple of God in me. That is your prerogatives to, to do it, but God is expecting us because we have Christ in our hearts. We need to do and we need to abstain from fleshly lust. Verse number 12, it says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works. Again, God is expecting all of us to do good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So the purpose of His redemption, the purpose of God's redemption in our lives is holiness and Christ-likeness. That's the purpose. So now, if Jesus Christ died for this, the question this morning, I believe, and this is very telling, very serious question, is His purpose being fulfilled in us? Because all those times, the purpose of His redemption is our holiness and Christ-likeness. The question is, are we fulfilling that purpose today? Now, to fulfill that purpose, to fulfill Christ-likeness, there must have efforts on our part. There must be things to be done in our part. Charles Spurgeon, at one time, he spoke about uh, redemption and, and temptation and all that, and he gave these tips on fighting against temptation. And this is how I believe is that uh, it's a good question to ask ourselves. In order for us to be uh, effective in fighting temptation, in order for us to be victorious, triumphant against temptation, because for many times we are trodden down by temptation and sin, and we are defeated every now and again. But there is a way that we can avoid another defeat. There is a way that we can turn it into a victory. And Charles Spurgeon's raised this question. And we have to act whatever comes up into our mind. He said, 
when you fall, when you fall into temptation, and we always do, think about the scenario. Think about the situation. And he said, ask this question. What settings are you in when you fall into temptation? What's the sitting? What's the environment surrounding it? Then identify. You, you fell into temptation because of this situation. And he said, now you figure it out. Then avoid them. Avoid that kind of sitting. Keep yourself away from that sitting. Avoid. That's one way. Another thing is that think about the situation. Think about the temptation. Think about the defeat that you have. You just got, you know, defeated by, by sin again. Go back and think about it. Then ask this question. What props do you have? That support that sin. What props do you have that support your sin? Once you figure it out, then eliminate them. Eliminate. Take it away. And think again when you when you when you when you every time you fall into temptation, think the scenario. What people are you usually with? when you sin. When you commit this sin, what people are you usually with? And he said, if you have figured it out, avoid them. If these people, every time you are around these people, you will always commit sin, avoid those people. And he said, he continuously, um, you know, uh, spoke and he said, there are two equally damning lies Satan wants us to believe. One, the notion that just once won't hurt. It's just once, it won't hurt. When you drink once, it won't hurt. When you smoke once, it won't hurt. That's a lie. Because all the drug cards in this world started with one. All the, the gamblers in all this world started with one. Satan is very good in lying. Another lie with Satan is this. Now that you have ruined your life, now that you have destroyed your future, you have wrecked your family. You have wrecked your relationship. You are beyond God's use. And might as well enjoy sinning. Satan is very clever. My friend, Jesus Christ died on the cross to make us clean. The purpose of his redemption is to make us holy and to be Christ-like. Number two, the price of our redemption. The price of our redemption. Verse number 18 in our text, chapter 1 of the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 18. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold 
from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. My friend, if you have been if you have been redeemed by the payment of a ransom, I wonder if you realize what was the payment. What was the payment of the ransom? Because verse number 18 answers that question. The payment of that ransom is, the Bible says, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. If you will ever step into heaven, remember that. It's not because you are good. It's because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The life, if God will bless you with all blessings, it's because of God's goodness. And yeah. it's all because of Calvary. Yeah. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, in order to secure our redemption, which is free to us, but Jesus Christ paid it all. He paid it all. He paid it not with silver and gold, but with his precious blood, and this redemption cost him his life. The redemption that we enjoy today, the salvation that we have today, costs the Lord Jesus Christ his dear life. Not corruptible things, a silver and gold, that is not the means by which God used for the purchase, for the redemption of our soul. No works of ours, no prayers from us, no um, tears, no merit of any angel right. or saints could yep. redeem us. Yep. Nothing and nothing but the blood That's right. of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith and God not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by works of righteousness, title said, title three five. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. My friends, we could be redeemed only by faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no other. Yeah. If you think that you can be redeemed by Mama Mary, the Bible doesn't say That's right. something like that. Yeah. If you think you can be saved by the, by the saints in the Bible, there's only one that can save us. That's right. The Lord Jesus Christ yep. who shed his precious blood. He redeemed us. Oh, yep. what a beautiful song it is. Redeemed. Redeem how I love to proclaim it. Redeem by the blood of the Lamb. Redeem through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of Him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. I know I shall see in His beauty. The King in whose law I delight. Who lovingly guarded my footsteps. And giveth me songs in the night. Redeem, redeem, redeem by the blood of the Lamb. 
redeem his child that forever I am. Remember the blood. Remember the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Do not waste. Do not waste this blood in your life. What he had gone through in the cross. The agony, the pain, the suffering. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He despised the shame. He endured the cross because of you, because of me. The blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary is not ordinary blood. The blood that was shed at the cross of Calvary was God's blood. Yeah. That is why we can be saved by the yeah. blood. It's power and prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for reminding us to put value of what Jesus Christ spent on the cross of Calvary. It was a precious blood. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is precious. No blood can ever satisfy God the Father because all other bloods have stained of sin in them. But the Lord Jesus Christ and His blood was pure, spotless, and the only acceptable to the Father is His blood. Lord, do not allow that we will waste that blood in our life. We are redeemed so that we can be righteous. We are redeemed so that we can be holy. We are redeemed so that we can have a Christ-like life. Please, Lord, fulfill that in our lives. Help us by your grace to live a life that is acceptable before your eyes. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And I pray that we will step up and we will carry our own cross and family. And Lord, help your people as they desire to follow you. Bless all of us this morning. Just in your prayer. Amen. It's all done and it's safe and finally.